what are people, not you, let's necessarily, but your friends, uh, what are most people in our community uh, expecting? What, what is their December about, right? What, what are they focused on right now? Shopping, buying, gifts, parties. Eggnog, eating, right? I mean, it's, it, we are in this, this, this season to celebrate the birth of Jesus, God come in skin, has turned into the most commercial consumeristic holiday in the world. So everyone is kind of focused on those things. You know what else they get focused on? Their pain. And then they realize in this season that's supposed to be so special that their relationships, their you know, life status is not what they wished it was. And so statistically in our country, this next few weeks are the most depressing, uh, the most down that people ever get. And you can just look across the board. Suicide rates in our country are at their highest around Christmas time. That is just the reality that we live in. In fact, I was just online and I saw that the Mayo Clinic, have you heard of the Mayo Clinic? It's just a really nice hospital system, doctor's medical system. They put front and center on their website an article, several articles, but one specifically on stress and depression and the holidays, tips for coping, right? And then they list all these things, acknowledge your feelings, reach out, be realistic, set aside differences, stick to a budget, all these practical tips to help people cope with their depression that is at record highs at this time of year. And I know that it's out there and it's in our culture, and we know that it's not just out there, but it affects us. And that's just, that's just the reality. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today because tips, this is a good start. Like I appreciate that, that uh, the Mayo Clinic is sensitive to that, but it's not enough. It's not enough just to have a few tips on how to deal in this season. So if you pull out your outlines, you, can, you see that we're talking about this idea of comfort. And, the, and what the title there, Take Comfort, is actually a myth because you and I cannot comfort ourselves. To take comfort is to be, is just to fulfill that consumeristic mentality to think that we can self-soothe and we can't. We have to receive comfort. Where does that help come from? Psalm 142 says, listen to my cry for I am in desperate need. And we can probably all relate to that in some situation. And when we are in desperate need, whether it's been in the past or whether it's in the present or whether you're in denial that you're in need right now, when we are in desperate need, our tendency is to comfort ourselves. Our tendency is to take the edge off, to numb, to reach for something that we can control to make ourselves feel better as quickly as possible. That is what we do. It's not a judgment. It's just real. As humans, we don't like feeling badly. We want to feel better quick. And so we reach for different things. Here's what you and I reach for. When I, was, when I was single, I would reach for the next relationship, the next girl that I thought made me look better. Because if I didn't feel good, if I didn't feel like I was where I was supposed to be in my life, or if I didn't feel confident in myself, I thought that having someone attractive, good-looking, fun, or whatever next to me would make me feel better. That, that, would, that would increase my worth. Or maybe it's pornography. You go to pornography, men and women, to try to get a quick fix, to get that thrill, to feel better. Or drinking and drugs, obviously, to numb the pain. That's, that's classic. Eating. 
Eating makes us feel better. It satisfies a, a temporary hunger, right? Or how about retail therapy? You know something about that? Shopping. There's, I don't know what it is, really. I mean, I, I guess I kind of do. I've been there. I, you know, I like nice jeans. So, I, I, I mean, I, I know to go and to say, you know, somehow by putting something on that's new or putting something up that's new or buying something new, somehow it makes me feel better in a second or television to, like, check out of reality. But what do those things do? They don't work. You know, you're smart people. You know they don't work. They actually make the situation worse. Eating will just make us fat and uncomfortable, ultimately, right? Uh, overeating. Or, or if it's pornography, we actually just get more lonely. And that, and that angst, that hunger, it just gets worse. If it's the relationship, if it's, a, if it's not a healthy relationship, it, it makes us more lonely too. It's not satisfying. Or, or we, our consequences of our actions might make us lose our jobs and we're unemployed. Or we spend too much and we're in debt. Those things, those temporary fixes do not satisfy. They actually make matters worse. But for us in this season, we're going to talk about what it looks like for us to enjoy a season of true comfort and true joy. To celebrate with this God, Emmanuel, which literally we sang about, which literally means God with us. So God is the source. God is the real and true source of our comfort. You might, that might sound too cheesy or churchy or whatever, but it's just true. You've tried everything else. It doesn't satisfy. Only God, only God can comfort you today. And he wants to, whether you realize that you need comforting yet or not. It comes from God. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 3 and 4 here, and then we're going to hit the other verses in that, in that uh, paragraph, in that section, as we go. Verse 3, praise be to God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our trouble so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. So let's be very clear. It's God who comforts us. He comforts us in all our troubles. Look at Isaiah 43. It says, Shout for joy, you heavens. Rejoice, you earth. Burst into song, you mountains. For the Lord comforts his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. Now, I want you to read this one out loud together with me. You ready? You might have to sit up a little bit, clear your throat, get ready to go. <clears throat> you know, so, or some of you are aware, Psalm 23, verse 4. Let's read it out loud. Ready? Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You comfort me, God. Not these other things. Not, not the fact that, not, not because I walk softly and carry a big stick. Not because I'm made of Teflon and I just don't let things affect me. Not because I know how to comfort myself. God, you comfort me. Even though I walk through painful times, and you will. It's you, God. It's you who comforts. Now, this, this next part of this that might not be on your radar. This, this next part of it, you, you might be like, yeah, 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 I, I could probably receive comfort from God. But do you know that God comforts you so that you can comfort others? That's what the verse said that we read in verse 4. God comforts us so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Look at this quote from John Henry. 
He says, God does not comfort us to make us comfortable, but to make us comforters. Friends, God will not waste your pain. I know if you have lived in this, even if you're 15 and you have lived in this life, in this world very long, you have experienced pain. And if you don't think that you have, you will. He won't waste your pain. It's not God who has inflicted that pain upon you. It's not him who was punishing you. But for whatever reason, he allows it in this time, in this world. And he will not waste it. He will use it. He will use your pain. He will let us go through hard times and then he will comfort us so that then we can turn and comfort each other who are going through similar and difficult things. He doesn't waste it. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says this. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We're in the all the more days. We have never been as close to the end and Jesus coming back as we are right now in this moment. These are the all the more days. All the more as you see the day approaching. We encourage each other. That's what we do. There was a woman in one of our services not too long ago who was sitting, and from the first song, she was weeping. We didn't know what the deal was. It didn't matter. She was just hunched over, weeping by herself, first thing in the service. And it wasn't, after maybe the first song, we saw a woman about six chairs away get up, move over to her, and put her arm around her. Not a word was exchanged. But for the rest of that service, the the weeping, the crying woman leaned in and just cried on this woman's shoulder. All the songs through most of the message. Words didn't matter. But in that moment, one woman had eyes to see and she reached out and just was there and present and comforted her. We receive comfort from God so that we can comfort others. Now, how do we receive comfort from God? How do we have hope when it hurts? And another question is, will you? Are you willing to receive comfort from God today? Comfort for your past, comfort for for things that you're ashamed of, comfort for disappointment, comfort from loved ones lost, comfort from things that you think can never be undone or, or places that you'll never get to as a result of circumstances. Will you receive comfort from God today? Here's, here's how we do it. Number one is resist self-medicating. We talked about those, those ways that we medicate. Verse nine says, indeed, we have received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. We serve a God who raises the dead. You might be in a situation that you think there is no hope in this situation. It is too far gone. I am too far gone, whatever the case may be. We serve a God who raises the dead. Our hope is in God. And almost all of us find ourselves drawn in this self-medicating thing, right? Relying on ourselves, trying to fix ourselves. I would say almost 100% of us self-medicate in some way. We, we just, we want to fix, we want to control, we want to not feel bad. And so we reach to those things. The first step in letting God comfort you 
is to let go of those ways that you keep trying unsuccessfully to comfort yourself. And when you do, this is just a little side note, when we numb those painful emotions, when we numb those things that we wish weren't there, you don't just numb the pain. You numb all your emotions, right? I mean, you realize that. When we, when we reach for those things and those quick-fix numbing things, you can't just isolate the pain and numb that. You numb your life, and you live a less-than-fully-alive existence. So let go of that. Resist the self-medicating. And number two, embrace the reality. Verse 8, Paul says, We do not want you to be uninformed. We want to tell you the truth, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we are experiencing in the, pres- in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. So Paul here is just saying, hey, I'm, we're just going to be real with you. This is really hard. This is really painful. This, I, we didn't even want to keep living. It was that bad, right? So some of us need to get honest about the situation. Uh, I, this, honestly, this message about comfort for me is not an easy one. I had to come around to it. Because for me, I, I don't feel like I have time to be comforted. I don't, feel, I don't feel like I can take a break to be in touch with my emotions or some things that might have hurt my feelings or some disappointment that I may be feeling. I, I've got I've to do stuff, right? I've got to lead stuff. I've, I've got to move on to the next thing. I've got to push this envelope. Some of you are in that space. You're not in touch with how you feel really because you, everything rides on you. You have to get it done. You have to perform. You have to push the envelope. You can't be vulnerable and soft and all that, right? And in, in that denial of the reality of your soul, you are missing out on God's comfort. And we create this hardened experience and this hardened exterior so that we're not living full lives. We are numb to the full experience of life. Embrace the reality. Embrace what's real. And then the third thing is to commit to community. Verse 7 says, And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. I have a friend that I wanted to come and share with you today. This Jessica has become a good friend of Hillary and mine. She was in our rooted group this last session. And um, I've asked her to share her story of how God's comforted her in community. This is not easy for her. So would you please welcome her like family? This is Jessica. I thought it'd be easier doing this for the second time, and it's not. (laughs) Okay. Um, My story basically starts a month before my 17th birthday. Up until that point, I was a good kid. I was a three-year varsity athlete, had good grades, and had never gotten into any trouble. But one day, my entire life changed when a car ran a red light. Everyone said I was lucky that I didn't die. I've never viewed it that way. Dying would have been so much easier. The car accident left me with a traumatic brain injury, and the damage is permanent. The list is pretty long of difficulties I have faced and continue to face every day. I had everything taken away from me, and I didn't have a choice in it, nor will I ever get it back, all due to a guy going too fast and not paying attention. While I didn't lose my actual physical life that day, I lost everything else. I lost the one thing that can never be replaced, my memories. I have no childhood memories. I don't remember anyone who was part of my life. I had to be reintroduced to everyone. 
Instead of starting my senior year with all my friends having fun and doing normal 17-year-old stuff, I spent my senior year at a school I felt like I had never gone to and surrounded by what felt like were strangers. It was extremely awkward constantly having people come up to talk to me and not knowing who they were. It was awkward for them, too. I didn't know how to deal with it, so I started hanging out with people who didn't know me. That, of course, was the bad crowd. I quickly started ditching school, failing classes, and getting into fights. I also started drinking a lot. The more I drank, the less I cared, and the more normal I felt. Drinking made me numb, which was great because then I couldn't feel the pain, fear, loneliness, and confusion. I had a fake ID when I was 18, so naturally I took my drinking to bars and clubs. I immediately started receiving attention from guys, and I loved it. I thought their attention meant acceptance, and that was all I wanted. When I was 24, I fell in love with one of those guys, and we quickly got married. Three months into the marriage, I was completely blindsided when I found out he was cheating on me and basically living a double life. The broken heart, rejection, betrayal, anger, loneliness, and worthlessness that I felt was too much. I took my coping skills to an entirely new level, a level which got me fired from a job, a jail time, and a DUI. Unfortunately, none of, this, none of these things opened my eyes or motivated me to change my lifestyle. I continued spending almost every out night out partying. During this time, I, went, I found myself once again desperately searching for someone to accept me. I found that someone to be a very good friend of mine. While he's a great guy, I overlooked a lot of things and focused only on the fact that he wouldn't lie or cheat and that he accepted me for the most part. My 12-year party life ended four years ago with the birth of my daughter, Delaney. I put all my energy into being a mom, and for the most part, I wasn't reckless with my coping skills. Well, up until about six months ago, when my husband and I decided our marriage was over. I became super mom during the day and old Jessica at night. Night turned into weekends, and weekends turned into daytime. I always said I wasn't doing bad because I was still functioning. I've always had a good job, I'm a great mom, and I've slept with a lot less guys than most of my friends. What I didn't realize was all the self-gratification I was doing, trying to find comfort, was really just lowering my rock bottom and causing a ton more damage. It made getting out of the rock bottom black hole impossible. Um. <laughs> a friend of mine invited me to Mariners one Sunday and was always talking about how life-changing rooted was. I think she saw the desperation in my eyes and after making a few calls, was able to find a group for me. I started Rooted Group here at Mariners a week late, and to say that I have never been so uncomfortable would be an understatement. Everyone was sharing and being open, and that's not me. Um, I didn't want to go back the following week, but I told Caleb I would, and you can't lie to a pastor. <laughs> it was through this small group that I began hearing and seeing Jesus work in others' lives. I was learning a lot. I usually looked forward to our Wednesday night gatherings, and while I could see changes in others, I was still pretty sure that I was already too far off the deep end and that there was no way that I, after all I've done, could ever receive the love of Christ. One of those weeks in Rooted, we talked about Satan and the strongholds he has in our life. I was mortified, to say the least, when I realized that I circled about 80% of the common strongholds listed in the book. How did this happen? How did my life get so out of control? What was wrong with me? It was during this week I realized how broken I was. I dreaded going to our Wednesday meeting that week. I was embarrassed and ashamed and didn't want to share. I actually couldn't share. 
Admitting the strongholds to myself was hard enough. There was no way I was going to admit, could admit it to others. Luckily for me, the fearless leader of our group really likes to take me out of my comfort zone and encourage me to talk to two of the girls after the meeting. Telling those girls my struggles was so hard. It was probably one of the hardest things I've done. When I was done telling them, I was shocked at their reaction. These girls did not look at me with the judging eyes that I expected. These amazing girls showed me love, com compassion, acceptance, and prayed for me. It was beyond overwhelming, and in an instant, I felt like a huge weight had been lifted and I was no longer drowning. It was that night that my life completely changed. Instead of going to the bar after the, the meeting, I went home. I went home and prayed. It's been almost two months since that night, and other than Going out with friends a few times and having a drink, I have been completely sober. I've set boundaries with other friends, which ultimately has caused my list of friends to decrease. I'm back to being the mom that my girls deserve, and nothing feels better than that. The strongholds are still part of my life, but God is working on them. I still hurt, but the funny thing is, those feelings and strongholds get smaller, and the voices get quieter with each prayer. I'm so in love and so in awe with my Lord and Savior. I'll never be able to wrap my head around the fact that he loves me and shows me so much unconditional love with his mercy and grace when I don't deserve any of it. I am filled with happiness and contentment. It's impossible to describe what it feels like to be accepted by the creator and maker of all. Nothing can compare to the comfort and joy I found in Jesus. A guy driving carelessly unintentionally changed my life 15 years ago, but a small group of amazing people have intentionally changed my life forever by accepting me and walking alongside me as I searched for the comfort I needed and found in Jesus Christ. We could just stop there and go home and be better people uh, for it. Um, thanks, Jess. If you don't have that kind of community yet, you need it. I want you to have it. Uh, if you haven't taken Rooted yet, you can literally sign up on the patio. We're going to do Rooted again in uh, January. If you've already done Rooted but you still don't feel like you're connected in community, we have life groups that exist that you can jump in on. We're going to start some new life groups in January also. Please commit to community. Jump in here. Serve somewhere. Get to know people. Get shoulder to shoulder with people. Take a risk and be vulnerable. Show up for the, for the group, even when you don't feel like it, because it's good for your soul. We need to do life with other people. We need to trust that God wants to comfort us through other people. And then the fourth thing is to trust that God is working. Verse 10 says, He has delivered us from such deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. That's what it is to hope, that he will deliver. And then Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In all things, God works for good. All those things that just mentioned were not good things. She has gone through hard things. God did not do that to her. He allowed it in his mysterious way. But he is bringing good from bad. That is what he does. 
and he will do that in your story, in your life. He will bring good out of bad. Trust that God is working. Though the circumstances may not change, he can bring good from it in the midst of it. Hold out hope. Number five is discover that there is healing in hope. That is the secret to being comforted, to know that regardless of what's going on around us, that that, that despite the circumstances aren't changing, I will hope. Despite the fact that my marriage is still so difficult after all this work, I will hope. Despite the fact that my kid that wandered off is still living for themselves and in brokenness, I will hold out hope. Despite the fact that I've been unemployed for however long, I will hope. I will put my hope in God. I will resist. I, will, I won't self-medicate. I will trust. I will let God comfort me. I will put my hope in him. Not in these lesser things. Not in things that I think I can fix and solve because that doesn't work. I will put my hope in him. Verse 10 says, It's on him that we have set our hope, that he will continue to deliver us. And then I just want to read this over you. This is Jeremiah 29, 11. This is God speaking to you today, I believe. Therefore, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. One more. Joshua 1.5, he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Regardless of what you're going through, regardless if you feel like it's you that has wandered off, he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will draw you back. I will make you uncomfortable maybe at times, but I will use whatever means I need to to draw you back because I will never leave you or forsake you. No matter what it is that you're going through, God is trustworthy. You can put your hope in him. You can trust him to be your comforter. Will you? Will you let him comfort you today? As Jairus and the band sing over us, I just want to invite you to just sit right now with God and just let him speak to your soul. Receive comfort from him this morning.